different parts of the country need different types of cattle and we understand that and i don't i don't know if i don't know if we're the ones that need to tell folks how they what kind of cattle to raise or how they should do um we see the need for you know up in in, in the dakotas and your part of the world they raise really really nice um front end type uh you know angus cattle and, and other breeds as well and then in south texas i mean those cattle would would burn up right they would they get too hot in south texas so they need something with a little more ear more of a brahmin influence and so um it's hard for me to be judgmental sitting where i am in the panhandle of texas uh we tend to get a few more of those brahmin type cattle and and feed them out here and that makes sense because they would do better here and they probably wouldn't really love y'all's winters especially like you've had this year so um so there's a spot for all of them there really is um but if, if you um have a good product and and have cattle that work for you um, learn more about them in the in the feed yards and how they do perform and and then make changes based on that that's all we can ask um, i don't think there's any one um, thing uh, other than a good a good health background and a good background and be good stewards of the cattle that's all we can Hey, hey, I'm Shay, and I'm the host of Casual Cattle Conversations, a podcast created for cattle men and women to explore new ideas that will improve their bottom line. Now, I want to give back to my listeners, so in the month of April, I'm doing a giveaway. So if you rate and review the show on your favorite podcast app or Facebook, I'll enter you into the drawing. If you would like additional ranching resources, Outside of what's shared in these podcast episodes, please head over to my website, casualcattleconversations.com. I have links to free resources that I turn to, and there's also an opportunity there for you to connect with other cattle producers and industry experts through the Rancher Mind program. Now with that, let's get on with today's episode. Hey folks, I want to take a quick second to talk about a company that's doing some pretty cool things because we all know as cattle producers that funding and finances can be a little stressful, but harvest returns makes things simpler. Cattle ranching is hard work, but finding funding to start or grow your operation doesn't have to be. While traditional bank loans still have a place in finance, some ranchers have transitioned to an alternative form of funding through passive investors. Harvest Returns has raised over $12 million for multiple cattle ranchers across across the United States. Harvest Returns works with each ranch individually to help develop flexible terms that best suit the business's plan and cash flows. The company's pool of nearly 13,000 investors can help you expand your herd, fund improvements to your ranch, or help you scale to access new channels. Harvest Returns offers both debt or equity options and works within your existing operating model. To learn more about the capital raise process with Harvest Returns, visit harvestreturns.com ccc, and I'll put that link in the show notes. Well, good morning, Ryan. It is great to have you on the podcast today. I know you and I and a few other people who are in my Rancher Mind program were able to interact on that call. It's been over a year now, which is crazy to think. I guess time flies, but we're yeah. really going to dive into you know, what your role is in the feedlot industry and kind of talk about what cattle producers need to understand about that industry and how we can work together as two different segments within one overarching industry. But to start off, would you please talk a little bit about, you know, 
what your role is and where you're located and kind of just what you do so that the audience can get a feel for who you are. You bet, you bet. So um, my name is Ryan Morehouse and uh, I'm the general manager of uh, Hartley Feeders, which is a, a feed yard that is owned by Five Rivers Cattle Feeding, which is a larger entity, um, one of 11 facilities that they own and operate. Um, I've been in this business for 25 years, roughly. I grew up on a cow-calf and stocker operation in North Central Texas, kind of um, halfway between Lubbock and Wichita Falls, Texas, uh, out in the middle of nowhere, and uh, then went to school and got out of school and wanted to see a different part of the industry. I've spent a lot of time um, in that part of the industry growing up and learning it and, and actually did an internship in Southwest Kansas when I was uh, in college still and really in, in a feed yard and really enjoyed it. Um, and so when I got out of school, I started looking for jobs because I wasn't ready to move home yet and and landed on this one. And at the time it was a continental grain uh, owned six yards and I went to work for them. And we've evolved over time and, and had a couple of different owners, um, but really the core structure and the core management team stayed together. So it's allowed me to stay here and work my way up and, uh, and I've been at this facility for the last 12 years uh, and managing it. And uh, so that kind of caught me up on the timeline. Wow. Well, that's, you know, I always enjoy hearing about people who, you know, maybe grew up in one sector of the industry and do try other sectors of the industry. So what has, how did being involved in the cow-calf industry growing up and stalker industry help you as a professional in the feedlot space? Like what, how did that knowledge base there help you do your job better now, I guess? Well, it, it really helps um, if you, if you're raised in the, in the knowing where the starting point is and, and being in the cow-calf industry and then in the stalker business. And, and my curiosity was, you know, we I helped my dad load lots of cattle that went to the feed yard and, and had no idea where they went and, and uh, wanted to learn more. And so that's what got me started. Um, and we fed a few cattle out, uh, retained ownership. And so, so that's what got the curiosity there. And then working in the feed yard um, in college as an intern, really enjoyed the business. It's a, it's a, it's a faster paced business, faster paced environment. Um, you, when you can find that many animals together, it, you, you know, obviously you've got a lot of work to do um, every day. And so I like the pace of the business and that's what, that's what kept me here. Um, as far as education wise, you know, we, we buy all our own um, feeder cattle into the feed yards at our own locations, which is a little different than some of the other larger feeding entities. Um, so it allows me to understand their business, whether on the cow-calf side or the stalker side, and to relate to those folks and to um, hopefully help them make good decisions as well. And, and of course, I have a job to do here, and that's keep this feed yard full at a, you know, a reasonable price on the cattle that come in. Uh, we also purchase all the commodities here at the facility. So it's really helped me understand that side of the business, explain our side of it, of the business to the, those operators and the former relationship there. So it, it, when you talk to a Cal-Calf person and they understand you've been in those shoes, then it makes it easier. With your role now, do you work directly with a lot of Cal-Calf producers? 
Yes, I actually, we actually do. Um, you know, the drought of uh, 2010, 11, and 12, which we're just coming out of another one, um, but it allowed us to really reach further down into the chain and form a lot of relationships um, with cow-calf producers um, and stocker operators. Um, I would say probably, and this is an estimate, but I'd guess 15 to 20% of the cattle that come into this facility are direct purchased, meaning there's no uh, middleman in between. Um, it's operators and producers that I deal with directly. Well, so I know last year when we were on that ranch and mine call and producers were asking questions about, you know, what are feedlots looking for in calves? How can they improve the calves that they're raising? A lot of the conversation was around building relationships with feedlots. So what does that kind of process look like if cow, calf producers do want to start building relationships with the people who are buying their calves? I mean, what really goes into that aspect of it just because sometimes there is a middleman? Yes, and I, I think I think there's a need for both. I mean, I think um, in some instances, it works better if, if, a, if a producer can deal direct with the feed yards and others would like a person in between and I understand both and we do both. So. Um, Either way, it's fine, but um, part of it is the cattle and the education. You know, we um, to buy cattle direct, we would prefer cattle to be, um, you know, weaned or, or, or backgrounded in some sort of fashion. Um, just from a health standpoint, we think it's easier to get cattle straight where they're from, right? Instead of shipping them straight to us and then us trying to get them straight, I think it's easier on the cattle for the, for the cattle's well-being um, to be background and, and, and straightened out um, close to where they were raised. Um, and so depending on the people and the producer and the facilities they have, that has a lot to do with it. And then of course, you know, health background and uh, vaccination background and how the cattle were handled, all that plays a part in it. Um, so a larger operation that can do those things are probably uh, more apt to reach out direct to us than you know, someone that's got a half a load or something like that. What do you define as a larger operation? Just curious, because I think large operation geographically, depending on where cow-calf producers are, yeah. large might vary in our minds. So what do yes. you kind of define as a large operation? You know, I, you know, the smallest pen I have is, you know, for 60 head. And so 60 head, we can handle 60 head if, if they're taken care of and their background are properly weaned. With all proper vaccinations, then then we can we can um, you know we can deal with somebody with with sixty head, um, depending on where they're from and and all that stuff, um, and then up to you know thousands ahead. So we 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 deal with both currently. Uh, you know I've got operators that have you know one load between their steers and their heifers, and they'll they either sell them or put them on feed with us. Uh, we do some retained ownership things, um, and we can work with people through that if they want to retain them. And I encourage people, um, if they really want to know what they have in their cattle, to, to, to own them all the way through. You don't have to maybe do it every year, but do it once. And we can provide the data um, from the plant, the carcass data, so that they understand what they have and the performance data. So um, that always helps. Um, it's educational to, to, for them and for us both. Well, I think you know, that data piece, that's something that gets talked about a lot on this podcast, no matter what segment of the beef industry we're talking about, or even smaller sub-segments within 
cow-calf too, it's that that data is so important for us as producers to continue making improvements and for everyone to learn and make improvements. Hey folks, I want to take a brief break to talk about one of my favorite calving books. And you know, if you're tired of the hassle of managing your cattle records, I want to introduce you to Cattle ID because it will do the work for you. The Cattle ID platform makes it easy to store, share, and collaborate on all your herd information from your mobile device. It saves you a lot of time and effort. Plus, you get access to actionable analytics that can help you and your team make better decisions for your ranch. Don't just take my word for it. Try Cattle ID and feel the magic of hassle-free ranch management for yourself. Seriously, sign up now and see the difference it can make for you and your team. There's a link in the show notes. Kind of shifting gears here, what do you think is the main challenge feedlots are facing right now? Well, um, you know, the, the cattle industry changes with the dynamics of the markets and um, with the drought, if you add in the drought. Um, and so just shrinking supplies right now would be a concern. Um, that's not always a concern, but right now it would be. Um, feed costs are a concern, as, uh, uh, which is great for farmers and, and it's hard to get it's hard to get upset, but the feed costs are just high and everybody that's feeding the cow right now or a yearling or a one in the feed yard knows that feed costs are high. And so that's a challenge. Um, and the labor market has always been a challenge my whole career, it seems like. Um, it ebbs and flows, the labor market does, but to do what we do every day is uh, probably not the most um, romantic thing in the world. So um, so it's always tough to keep you know a full staff and, and uh, it's hard to to run one of these things if you don't have a, a good crew. So, you know, between between the, the the changing in the markets and the drought and how it affects the markets um, and the cattle cycle and the labor market, it's it keeps us on our toes. So, with those challenges, how has that impacted how you're operating as a business? Because you are a business, so when those challenges arise, you have to make adjustments just like cow-calf producers, just like anyone else. Yes, that's true. And, uh, you know, we've been able to stay uh, relatively full, you know, the past four or five years, six, seven, back really to the last um, time we had a, a drought and the cattle cycle supplies dropped down and they kind of turned over. Um, so it's been good. Um, of course, we're margin operators, and that's what I have to remind people is we, we have to buy and we have to sell. And so, um, you know, there's a lot of times uh, uh, cattle feeding is not profitable. And, and so uh, it ebbs and flows. And it's, uh, it's uh, like I said, it's kind of like a stocker operation, except on a larger scale. Um, and so you're buying and you're selling. So it's always a challenge to do that. Um, and I think... Um, but going forward here, um, the, the shrinking cattle supplies are definitely going to be an issue. And I think you'll have a lot of empty feed yards. I think you'll have a lot of bunk space that's not filled um, for the next three to four years. And uh, that, that'll definitely be a challenge. Well, thank you for being honest about that. Um, and on the contrary, what's one of the biggest opportunities you see in the feedlot segment in the next five to 10 years that maybe you're excited about? You know, I, I think education, we've never been, um, you know, uh, as open book as we probably should be, not that we are close, but just, it's not a, um, it's not a, a fancy romantic job. And so we, we do, uh, 
and, and it's not been real popular. You know, you hear more about grass fed and more about um, things like that, which is great. And there's a, a market for it. And I, I support it 100 um, percent. But we still have to make um, beef for, you know, the general public that want to get that are quite willing to pay, you know, maybe a premium for a grass fed product or an organic product. And with the population growth the way it is across the world, not only in the U.S., um, we we really have to provide a, a, a reasonably priced, good quality product. And that's what we try to do. Um, and we have programs in our company. You know, we have all natural programs. We have programs that get exported. So we can do about anything. I think what you'll see in the next, um, in the future here is, is, is different branded beef programs, different types of programs, and to be a part of that, you know, change your operation, tweak what you're feeding, tweak the way you do things to provide beef into that program, I think will be exciting. I think that will be an opportunity. Um, and so, and then the education part on telling people what we do, you know, giving tours, we give a lot of tours here, um, not opposed to it at all. So if anybody'd like to come look, we'll, we'll show you around. Well, awesome. And thank you for that invite to anyone out there who's listening. And so, you know, you brought up programs, which I think is something else I kind of want to ask you a little bit about. Cattle producers are always, as business owners themselves, they're always trying to figure out, you know, how can I make my calves more valuable to help their business? So does, you know, in your mind, does that look like trying to get involved in one of those programs? I mean, most they're traditionally called value added programs, but we're branded beef programs. So what, I guess, maybe let's say, ask the broader question, like what can cattle producers do to try and add more value to their cattle so that they work better when, and do their job when they are in the feedlot? Absolutely. You know, um, there's lots of programs out there now, more, more and more all the time. Um, you've got, um, you know, you've got natural programs, you've got branded beef programs, you've got non-hormone cattle that can be exported to certain countries um I, and, I, and all those are possible um from from just a basic uh verification up to like a gap four deal which is like the extreme um not bad just very thorough right if you want your cattle on that you have to go through a thorough um thorough process to get them to get them eligible for that um and i i think i think one of the basic things you can do is, you know, be good stewards of your cattle and, and give them a good background, give them good vaccination, have a good vaccination history on them and make them ready to go to the next level. And I think that's probably the most basic thing you can do all the way up to if you prefer to get into one of the more all natural programs, um, you can do that too. Um, those programs 10 years ago were still kind of a, a niche deal. However, today uh, there's, they're more and more popular and we figure they would gain traction and they have, and there's a, a big demand for that. Um, so that's an opportunity as well to increase the value of cattle, but we still need just regular cattle, good commodity cattle that are, that are, are healthy and well taken care of and with great health history. And so uh, there's a spot for all of them. Is there a specific way you like that information to come across, like as far as those records getting to you? Like, how do you know, you know, what can producers do to help, whether it's going through the sale barn or another middleman or the feedlot, like to get that information across, like these are how these calves were raised, you know, whether it was mineral program vaccinations, um, other nutrition factors. 
how do you like that information to come across or get to you? Well, you know, a lot of our business is still, you know, handshake deal. It's verbal. You know, we trade thousands and thousands and thousands of cattle. It used to be by telephone. Now it's by email and text message. And so, um, but if just a background on the calves, you know, what, what vaccinations have to have, what other things have you done with them? Um, you know, what, what's the background? Are they on grass? Are they on wheat? Are they on ryegrass? Are they, you know, uh, maybe out of a, out of a grow yard of some sort, we buy those off as well. Um, just give a, a, a basic understanding of where they've been and what they've done. And then that's for just regular commodity cattle. And then if, if they are eligible for a non after program, they, we have to have the documentation that tells us, you know, um, the verification that process that you've been through in order to, to be eligible for that program, because we have to pass that on to the next level whenever the cattle finish. Do you have um, a lot of cattle producers who come to view their calves as they're finishing out? You know, even, you know, whether they've retained ownership or maybe they didn't, but they know that's where their calves went. Do you, do people come to look and see how their calves are growing and doing in the feedlot? We, we, we do occasionally, uh, not a lot, but um, folks that are interested in seeing them, um, we, we deal direct with some producers out of Florida and they usually come up once a year and look at their calves and, um, and just, you know, they knew what they looked like when they sent them and they want to see them when they're close to being finished. And so, uh, and we've had other producers as well, especially the ones that retain ownership. They usually um, like to come look at them before they, before they're uh, harvested. And, uh, and so, and we welcome that. And just like I mentioned, we welcome to share the data with them. Um, not something that every feeding entity does. I'm not sure why, um, then that's of their own volition. Uh, we try to be pretty open. We want people to to get to be better and in order to be better, uh, they need the feedback. And so we'll provide the performance data to them um, as well as the, the harvest data. And then they can make adjustments based on that. So kind of a bigger question here, but if you could wave a magic wand and change any one thing about how cow-calf producers are doing business right now or raising cattle, what would you like to change? You know, different parts of the country need different types of cattle, and we understand that. And I don't, I don't know if, I don't know if we're the ones that need to tell folks how they, what kind of cattle to raise or how they should do. Um, we see the need for, you know, up in, in in the Dakotas in your part of the world, they raise really, really nice um, front end type, uh, you know, Angus cattle and and other breeds as well. And then in South Texas, I mean, those cattle would would burn up, right? They would, they get too hot in South Texas. So they need something with a little more, you're more of a Brahmin influence. And so um, it's hard for me to be judgmental sitting where I am in the Panhandle of Texas. Uh, we tend to get a few more of those Brahmin type cattle and, and feed them out here. And that makes sense because they would do better here and they probably wouldn't really love y'all's winners, especially like you've had this year. So, um, so there's a spot for all of them. There really is. Um, but if, if you, um, have a good product and and have cattle that work for you. Um, learn more about them in the in the feed yards and how they do perform and and then make changes based on that. That's all we can ask. Um, I don't think there's any one um, thing uh, other than a good a good health background and a good background and be good stewards of the cattle. That's all we can ask. Well, I appreciate you saying that, and that's. Another theme that gets talked about on the show is that the 
that gets talked about on the show a lot is that it takes all kinds of kinds and everyone runs their business differently. And it is United States geographically varies so much. So I appreciate you bringing that up. So what is one thing as, I mean, we're kind of wrapping up here and what's one thing you want cow-calf producers to understand about the feedlot industry and maybe even building that relationship? Well, it, it's a, it's a great question. And I, I think the main thing is to, I, I'd like people to understand what we do. I, I think to your point and I, the reason I uh, agree to, to, to do things like this is because I want people to understand what we do and how we do it and why we do things. And, and in order to do that, you know, you have to formulate relationships, you have to ask questions and, uh, and it's a margin business. So we can only give what we can give if we think we can, we have to stay in business. So um, that's the other thing is that, that we can, we can only do what we can do. And another thing is we don't mind if, if, if a producer wants to sell their cattle a different direction because it works better for them and that's perfectly okay. Um, we'd love to have folks business. Um, we have lots of pins to fill. So uh, we're always open uh, to listening and learning. Um, and, uh, and to understand that we're, most of us are, we're all in the same business. To me, it's a beef business. Um, it's not, it's not a, it's not a cow calf. It's not a stalker. It's not a feed yard. It's not a packer. It's the beef business and we're all in it together. Um, that's tough sometimes for everybody to, to, to agree to that. And that's teach his own opinion, right? But we're all in the same business. We're trying to produce the end product to, to go to the consumer and something that consumer will buy. And ultimately that'll make us all more, um, all, uh, more effective and efficient in what we do and more successful in the business. So that's the main thing. Well, Ryan, before we wrap up today, is there, do you have any final thoughts that you want to share? No, I appreciate the opportunity and uh, always open to the conversation and, uh, Education, again, like I mentioned, is something that we feel like we've been a little lax in in the cattle feeding sector. And so we like people to understand what we do and how we do it, why we do it, uh, and, and get to know that we're, we're producers just like they are. Well, thank you, Ryan. You bet. And that's a wrap on that one, folks. Thank you for tuning in today and joining in on the conversation. Be sure to take this a step further and take the advice you learned and implement it on your operation. If you want to have a conversation about it, head over to my social media and send me a DM by following at Cattle Convos and connecting with me there. Have a great day.